Christmas. If you would like to stand with us and sing, we're going to sing a hymn, a Christmas medley this morning. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry, 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 Merry Christmas. We're all so relieved that John Weaver has been rewarded with a new baby Jesus in his cradle. We know about that, don't we? You see that on Fox News? Big interview about John and the Christ child being taken from his front yard and some lady bought him a new one. <laughs> There's such a good story. He was in class. I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't got to see it on TV. But uh, they, they did a big thing about it. So John's forever going to be the one that saved Christmas. <laughs> but welcome this morning. We have lots of people in here that do great things. And um, we just are blessed at Stratford Heights. You look like you're getting ready for Christmas this time next Sunday, seven days from now. It's just about going to be over. So we want you to work hard to get ready, and uh, we've probably got most of the parties in. 
and uh, we're going to cook and work, and sometime we're going to have to go shopping. So I told my son, I said, I'm going shopping tomorrow. He said, just give me money. I said, you better mean that because I haven't bought you anything. I haven't done any shopping. <laughs> so he's getting ready. But we want to welcome you today, and thank you for being here. Uh, Richard's going to say something before we get out in the aisles and shake hands and greet one another. So God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you all today. Merry Christmas. I get to say it too. Yeah, amen. Merry Christmas. You all are looking wonderful. You can grab a seat real quick. I know this is kind of breaking the flow of things, but wanted to take a, a moment to appreciate our pastor. But I, if you look around, you can see there's some empty seats today. You know what that means? That means you're the strongest, you're the bravest, you're the smartest that, that, that ventured out in the bad weather and the slick spots. So let's congratulate, congratulate you for showing up. I know, I know uh, normally we're fighting for parking places in, in the, uh, uh, out there, so it's a, it's a different kind of day. The weather just changes everything. I wanted to take a moment. Uh, we normally don't do this at the Christmas season, but I wanted to appreciate our pastor at the Christmas season really quick. This man is given uh, day in and day out and uh, just gives all the time, serves and does beautiful and wonderful ministry. And uh, he gets a million thanks, but he could uh, get a million more, and uh, we just appreciate everything that he does. He's actually been at our church uh, here for 35 years. This is his uh, 35th anniversary, and uh, he's actually he's been on staff here for 27 years, and he's been your pastor now. This, uh, in just a few months, will be 10 years. And uh, Pastor, if you'll come here. We just want to appreciate you real quick. I know you would, you would want to thank him properly. What I want to do is we're going to give him two gifts. Yeah, you can be seated. The first one is is we're going to pray over our pastor that he'll be blessed, that God will be with him, take care of him. We want this next year to be the healthiest, the most blessed, the most directed by God. We, we just want his, we want everybody, everybody in our church, everybody in our community, everybody around the world to, to look at our pastor and think, there's a godly man that, that has God's hand on him. And that's, that's what it looks like to be a Christian. So if you would, would you just take a moment with me to pray over our pastor? Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we could give a lot of good gifts and we could say a lot of great things, but there's nothing better than a touch that comes from your hand. God, we pray that you would bless our pastor for everything that he's given. Lord, 2017, I pray, is the greatest year of this man's life, that he would be blessed, that he would hear you, that he would follow every direction that you have. I pray that you bless him inside of these four walls as our pastor, but I pray that you would also bless him as a man, as a godly man that, that desires to serve you and to follow after you. I pray that you would bless him in his health. God, let your hand be upon him in his health. God, be with him in his finances. Be with him in every situation that he finds himself in. Let him be blessed and let him be so evident, God, that you're working in his life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. 
second thing is totally just, oh, okay, you know, just totally it. Not necessarily a gag gift, but pretty close to that. There's another date that is very important in our pastor's life, July 2nd, 1981. Hair Arena. It's a beautiful story. It was, it was, I believe it was a Thursday night. He was tearing the pew apart in front of him, wrestling with God. There was a message given out, and the message said, if you'll, if you'll just come to me and trust me, you know, I'll, I'll show myself. I'll make myself real. Then he prayed and got saved in the, in the pew, or saved in the altar, and he, a, a man that was, was there that had offended his family, he ran to him. All right, him. all right, all right. But anyhow, we wanted to give you this small gift. What in the world? These are... <laughs> these are... These are the seats from Hair Arena. Uh, we've got a, a signature here from Lane Sargent, and uh, these are just momentum, memento of the night you got saved, your salvation. God bless you, Pastor. Merry Christmas. That's All right, awesome. you can stand. Everybody, you can get out in the aisles now. Greet each other. Pray for the pastor that he doesn't get hurt. Get out in the aisles and welcome each other into the house of God this morning.
as the pastor comes. We want to pray over the nation of Israel today. We want to pray that God would bless that nation, that it would be blessed, and that God would be watching over it. The Bible says that we'll be blessed as we bless Israel, and we want to bless them today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray over the nation of Israel. God, your chosen people, the ones that you have your hand on, your blessings on, Lord, we pray that you would be with them to watch over them, protect them. God, you know exactly the state that they're in, the, the, what's going on in the streets, what's going on around their neighbors. You know exactly their situation. We pray, God, that you would bless them today, that you would stand, watch over them, protect them, and be with them. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. All fun aside, I'm in tears. We didn't approve that at the staff meeting this week. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that. I wondered what in the world is he doing? But it means, it means the world to me. I've told that story probably a thousand times. And to now have something that will forever symbolize that uh, is, is I'm, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. I don't even know how to respond at this point, except to say thank you guys. Thank you. Wanted to take a few minutes, if I get myself together here, to, um, to tell you, first of all, thank you for being here today. Um, you didn't have to fight the parking lot and you know, but like Richard said, you are the diehards. You're the ones that are going to go to God's house on Sunday when it's God's time. And I appreciate that, and I know others would be here. But in many cases, it can be pretty dangerous, or they can, be, they can live out. Some people drive quite a distance, and, and I understand that it can be, at times, pretty difficult to be here in weather, especially when they're given weather advisories and icy road conditions, and we want you to be safe always. How many of you know... Church attendance is not on the list of things God writes in that, uh, that book on whether or not you're getting in or not. So we don't judge people and condemn them when they can't be here. But that gives you a little extra room, so spread out there. Just, you know. But we are glad that you're here today. I'm very glad to see um, Pastor Brian and Amelia back with us from the land, the Holy Land. I can't even imagine. I've never been there, and I want to go so bad. One of my dreams in life before the Lord comes is that I will, I will stand right there, and I'm going to. But I'm so thankful that you went, and others from the group, I know Jose went, and his mother went, and several family, several other folks went. God bless you. We missed you. We're glad you're home, and uh, uh, so delighted to hear already some of the stories. It's nothing more beautiful than being there where it all happened. Smelling, I said this morning, to be able to smell what the air smells like in Bethlehem. I mean, wouldn't that just rock? <laughs> to be there by the Sea of Galilee. He sent pictures of the Sea of Galilee and I just sat and stared at the pictures. And I thought, where did Jesus walk? Where did he walk on water? Was it there? 
It's amazing. But we're, we missed you. And we're glad you're home. You're not allowed to leave. Not allowed to go anywhere else for a year. Wanted to make a, an announcement to you about something. I want to take just a few moments in the service today to talk about um, something that's going to be happening in January and why. Because I want to make sure you understand what we're doing and whenever we make big decisions about things, we want to bring it to you and want to share it with you. I want you to pray about some of the decisions and things that we're, we're doing. January 8th, uh, 2017, that'll be the, the second Sunday in January. We're just, it's going to be another big day for us. I mean, we've had some big days uh, here lately. We've had our 100-year celebration. We've had the dedication of the new building. And normally, as we've said, it's, it's so jam-packed in here, especially at this service, that some folks, you know, can't even find a seat unless it's down front or they have to, you know, scrunch in with somebody or, or you know, many times people unfortunately get in the parking lot and can't find a parking space or come in and can't find a seat and I've been told that they, uh, they just kind of say we're, we're not going to stay. And we hate those kind of issues or problems and so we've really been praying for a long time about what the Lord would have us do concerning um, the, the, the attendance and the, the fact that we built a new building, we've built a ministry center for our babies and for our toddlers, our pre-K, our elementary education kids, and then all our youth ministry, and then our sub-ministries, and we've got the cafe, and we've got the new bookstore, I hope you'll go by there. So we've got all these things that are there, and you know, I, I want to say this about the bookstore, or about the cafe, you know, that all started because I was walking up that aisle right over there, and I went over to shake a man's hand, and I shook his hand, and he said, you know what, pastor? And I said, What's that? He said, I've been here three years, and all I've ever done is shake your hand at the welcome. And I looked at him, and I said, sit down. So right there in the welcome, while all the rest of you were shaking hands, I said, tell me about your family. Tell me about who you are. What do you do? Where do you work? And I started asking him all kinds of questions. And I looked at him, and the Lord dropped something down in my heart, and he said, how can you say you love someone if you don't know them? And so if you were here that Sunday, that Sunday night, I went home and scratched out a whole new message. And the message was, how can I say I love you if I don't know you? So we started really thinking and dreaming about what can we do to bridge connection in our church. One of those things, Melissa, is a small group. We're trying to make connections with the church and small group. But when we were designing and talking to the architects about the new building, we talked about a cafe. Now, somebody says, bless God, we don't have a cafe in the church. What? I've been in the church of God for 15 years. And we've been having donuts and coffee and orange juice in the Sunday school class. Clear back as far as I can remember, there's always, if you're a church of God, you like food. You especially like coffee. And so the idea was, hey, let's create a place of connection. Let's create a place where people can talk and share with one another. If you remember correctly, just a few months ago, all we had was that lobby right there. And there wasn't no room out there to turn around when everybody came out. 
You didn't have a chair to sit in hardly. You didn't have no fellowship. You had nothing except shake somebody's hand and walk out the door. But that's changed. The first Sunday, the cafe was open. I, I had my iPhone out, and I was walking through the church taking photos, Christian. And I went over, and I stood, and I, I watched the cafe. And I saw two ladies sitting at one of the tables with the Bible open. They were drinking coffee, and they were talking with one another. And then I re- watched them as they reached over, took their hands, and they were praying. And I was just like, <sighs> so I took a picture. And I was like, that's that's amazing. So I turned around and I looked and other people were laughing and talking and, and just, just enjoying fellowship. And I saw a new family that was sitting over in the corner and other people walking by and they were introducing themselves to them. And I was just like, this is perfect. This is what we wanted. And David came to me this last week and, and he said, Pastor, we're going to have to get more tables. I said, what's going on? And he said, it's jam-packed. There was standing room only. And he's talking about all the people talking and all the people praying and all the people witnessing and all the people just connecting with one another. And I thought, thank you, Lord. That's what we wanted. Because how can I say I love you if I don't know you? So anyway, back to my announcement. We are working hard How many of you know that church is not about me? It's not about you. It's not about you. I mean, I know that's going to come as quite a shock to many people because they think the whole world revolves around them, but church is not about you. Church is about him. The commandment of Christ was love God and love people. What we live for every Sunday, I love to see you. I love to fellowship with you. I love to know you. But the main purpose of Sunday and worship and the preaching of the word and the presence of God is that we will minister the gospel to those who are lost. We want to make room for the lost. We want to provide an opportunity for them to be here and feel drawn and comfortable to our fellowship so that the message of Christ can be preached to where they can understand him as their Lord and Savior. That's the whole purpose of church. A lot of folks get that out of whack. They think church is all about them. But you better please me, Pastor. You better please my desires. You better please my paycheck. You better please me. But you know me by now. I don't play that game. I don't play religious, Sadducee, Pharisee, junk. Jesus didn't either, by the way. Jesus didn't either. We believe that the church exists to love God, to minister to the lost, to be an outreach and a light with the gospel message of Christ. The gospel message that says Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and Jesus is coming again for you and I. He provided eternal life for all of us who are lost. 
So our heart and our desire is to be a church that is on fire with the Holy Spirit of God and the presence of God as we love Him and embrace Him passionately. And then as we reach out to one another. Now, I say all that to say this. On January 8th, we're, we're going to make some changes, and that's going to be this. We're, we're moving to two services. Somebody says, Pastor Memo, we already do that. No, not really, because if you've ever been to 8.30, what I get told often is, well, that's the Reader's Digest version. It's a short couple of songs, and then we jump into the message, and the message is usually, you know, one, two, three, and we're off to Sunday school. And it's been a wonderful, we have probably, if everybody came on a particular Sunday for the first service, there would be 120 people, you know, but their average, you know, somewhere between 90 and 100, you know, usually show up. And we've got, it's a good situation, it's a good deal. We can continue to keep doing that. The problem is, a couple of Sundays ago, we had 1,010 people at the church. And we had people who pulled in the parking lot and turned around and left the parking lot. And we had people, we've had people that have come into the service, as I mentioned earlier, and they can't find a seat, so they turn around and they're just like, see ya. But there's another whole rule. See, I thought it was like 80%, but I have found out, Brother Barnett, that the experts at Barna Research tell us that it's 70%. If 70% of your congregation is full, you will no longer grow, but you will de- start to decline. And we're like, really? And the reasonings behind that is because I know you like sitting next to who you're sitting next to. I mean, you just, you got, you're blessed right there. Sister Marie's the best thing in the world. If I was going to sit somewhere, I'd want to sit by her. And it's okay that you're all crunched up next to each other, but that in a normal service on Sunday, everybody's really condensed, and, and he, you're sitting there, and you're fine because you, you know one another. You at least shook their hand 400,000 times, and you, you, you know the, the, a lot of folks, and so it's all good. But when a stranger comes into our congregation, and they look down through there, they don't know you, and they don't want to sit shoulder to shoulder with you. They're uncomfortable. They're lost. And they're going to look for any reason in the world not to go to church. And if we come in here and it's jam-packed, they're going to be like, I'm out of here. They're not going to sit shoulder to shoulder with all these people. And so we're looking at that and I'm like, well, that makes sense. It makes sense. Because, see, the whole object behind church is that we're trying to reach them. I said, we're trying to reach them. We're trying to fill the empty seats with the people who need the message of the gospel. You're saved. How many are saved here this morning? You've accepted Christ into your life. I hope I don't have to reach you anymore. I hope you're here to support and serve. I hope you're here to worship God and to live your life, to honor him and reach the lost. And as we do that, We're trying to make room. Now, we've built this ministry care facility, but we've still got this sanctuary. We didn't build a new sanctuary. I would have had to have asked you for another few million dollars. So everybody say amen, because I didn't. You, You get to keep that. But there's a way that we can double the size of our congregation 
There's a way we can double the size of this room, and that's by creating two mirrored services. Now, what that means is we would, the choir would be asked to make a sacrifice. The ministry teams would be ready to make a sacrifice. And we've talked with our kids' teams and our nursery teams, and all of them have given me thumbs up. We're ready to go. We've talked with Gary and the music committee, and, and I know it's difficult, and I want you to pat them on the back, and I want you to love them and buy them a steak dinner because it's hard to be under them lights all this time, you staring at them. But they worship God, and they give to ministry, and they know it's not about them. It's about who they're ministering to out here. We're going to, on January 8th, we're moving to two new service times, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We're going to have Sunday school at 10 a.m. from 10 to 10.50, however that works. We're making sure that Sunday school will be a part of our program. We're not changing anything. We're just changing the format of our services. If you come to the 9 o'clock service, you're going to get the full deal. And we're going to worship God, and we're going to honor God, love God, and we're going to serve people, and we're going to make room. And so I'm going to be asking for a couple hundred of you to say, you know what, I'll go to the 9 o'clock. I'll be at 9 o'clock. I'll support that, and I'll be there, Pastor, as long as I know I'm going to be able to hear the choir, as long as I know I can take my baby to nursery, as long as I know my kids can go to Children's Church, to Rock Island, then, okay, Pastor, I'm going to choose to support 9 o'clock, and I will love you. I'll find some way. David will have to give you free coffees for a long time. <laughs> we'll work it out. I'm going to ask you to pray about that, and maybe your family can make that commitment. You're not going to miss anything because we're believing God is ordering this, that God is helping us in our efforts and our planning. I would not have come to you had I not already prayed it through. We've talked about this for years. We had an opportunity two and a half years ago where we were bumping 1,000. And we, this sanctuary, the seats you're in right now only hold 840. You add the choir, and we're right at 1,020. That's all we're allowed to do in here. So we're at capacity. So we're at 95% capacity full on any given Sunday morning. And they're telling me that 70% is the limit. It starts being negative. When a, when a, a lost human, a lost individual comes driving into the parking lot and they can't find a parking space, they're already frustrated, number one. They walk in the door and then they can't find a seat. Frustration number two, then they're sitting there and somebody don't smell right or somebody don't speak to them or somebody isn't friendly to them. Then that's strike number three. Next thing you know, they're looking at the pastor and they're thinking he looks like a goofball and they don't like him and they don't like Gary because he's got a little guitar and he's... And we... <laughs> he's gone. He had surgery, so I'm allowed to talk about it. In other words, once they've already had a couple of strikes, man, they're looking for every negative thing they can. Isn't that right? Doesn't that make sense? We're not creating an atmosphere for people to receive the gospel. We're not caring about what we do to set the atmosphere so that they will receive. We're doing everything we can to reach people. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. But the Bible says man does look on the outward appearance. You and I are not God. I said that last week. I need to say it again. You and I are not God. So we're trying to reach lost people. 
So we're going to move to 9, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock Sunday school. That's the big change. But I believe it's going to transform our church if you'll buy in. If you'll believe what I'm saying is from the Lord. As I said, two and a half years ago, we were here. We decided we would do it. We would break into two services. And we were ready to make, the, I made a couple of announcements, some of you might remember, and we were ready to make the plan. We were ready to set the date. We were ready to do it. And we were just about there, and we flinched. And here we were, they were jam-packed, they were on the front pews, they were, we had to put some chairs down some aisles, and the place was full. We were hitting over a thousand every week, and here we were, we said, let's not rock the boat. What if people get mad? What if they don't want to do it? We can't do it. Let, no. And guess what happened? 200 people. 200 people walked out. Many of you were like, well, where is so-and-so? Well, what, what happened to brother? What happened to sister? I'm like, well, they're going to another church. And when we found out why, they would say stuff like, Pastor, it's not you. I love it when people say that. That's so funny. <laughs> no, it's not the church. We love the church. It's not you, Pastor. It's not Gary. It's not. And I'm like, well, what was it? And they'll say, well, you know, we just, we just didn't fit. We did, they couldn't find our place. We, we didn't feel like we could get in. And I've heard that over and over and over and over again. And I'm not talking about... They felt like you were just snobby people and weren't friendly. You're friendly. So they just never found a place to get in. And so here we are again. We lost those 200 people. And I've, you know, some of them have come, home, come back to us. And I'm so thankful for that. Others of them have went on and flourished in other places. But here we are again. We're hitting this, this wall. And we're, we're ready. And I don't want to flinch. Don't want to miss the window. Not because of me, and not because of the church, and not because of our crowd, but because I don't want us to lose an opportunity to reach more people for Jesus Christ. I don't want it to be us four and no more. I, do, I love you, but I don't want a club and an organization where we just do nothing but pat each other on the back for the rest of our time until Christ comes. I want to reach the lost. And I want to find everywhere they're hiding and everywhere they're running and everywhere where they need that message. And the only way for us to do that is to get bold and to get strong and courageous with making a plan that'll make room for the lost. They've got to come in and feel like they belong, feel like they're welcome, feel like there's a place for them to sit and even a place for them to park. If you agree with that, please say amen. 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 So we're going to do this. You say, well, have you thought through all the problems? I'm not wanting to preach on this. So I'm going to let, I want you guys to just be really quick with your song. Sing Jingle Bells and go. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally joking. We're growing. We want to continue to grow. God desires that everyone hear the gospel and gather with others who love Jesus. God has placed us in this community. And it is our responsibility, Gladys, to reach this community. That is our responsibility. It is not for us to just keep having church over and over and over again and patting ourselves on the back. 
It is for us to reach the lost. God has given us an excellent facility to do that, Brother Orville, and we're ready to do it, so we've got to be courageous. Like Joshua, we've got to say, we're going to be strong and courageous, and we're going to move into this battle against the enemy, and we're going to fight it, and we're going to win. And we're going to see more people saved. We're going to see more people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see more people healed. And we're going to reach out into the city and do what we can while we're sending people out as well. The Lord has laid on my heart. And he says, as to whom much is given, much is required. And it's in my prayers for this coming year, I'm determined that we are going to do more mission, more work out in the community and around the world than we have ever done before. That's what I am praying about, and I need you to help me with that. So we're going to do this. It's a healthy church. If we remember, it's not about us. Amen. Thank you. If we remember... It's not about us. It's about the hurting person who needs Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. Do you believe that? Say amen. Amen. All right. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to be asking you to prayerfully consider what service you'll go to because I'm going to talk to you in another week or two after Christmas. I'm going to talk to you about something else that's on my heart. If we have these two morning services, somebody says right away, does that mean you're cutting out Sunday night? No. There's some real diehards here. We, we love Sunday night. And we love to worship and preach. And we love to pray for folks. And we have church. We're coming back tonight. I'm preaching tonight. We're going to have a prayer line. We're going to pray for folks. It's going to be a big old evangelistic service. You want to be here if you like that. We're not cutting out Sunday nights. We're not changing in any other way but we are we are going to make room for people so I want you to consider Richard it is burning up in here would you please go check that so here's what I want I want you to prayerfully consider you know we need about 200 200 300 that would move to that first nine o'clock service you come to church, you know, you're out by 10, 30, 11 o'clock. If you want to go to Sunday school, you're out by 11 while we're coming into church. And, you know, we've got this little break. See, there's going to be a break between services, about 20, 30 minutes. And in that break right there, that's where I want you to go get some coffee. And I want you to make connections with Marie. I want you to just find her and hug on her. And I want you to find Mimi. And I want you to love on her, buy her lots of presents, give her gifts. I want you to love on one another, get to know one another. We'll have a fellowship break. It'll be just a time in between services where we can still see one another. Because if 200 of you leave, that's going to be a little lonely for some of us. We miss you. But we'll just see you at the first service. But we'll work on ways to be more bridging. This year, we're going to plan more fellowships. I've got these ideas. I'm going to do something real crazy. This year, I want to have dinner with everyone in the church. Now, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if we divide it up into teams of groups, maybe 40 or 50 strong, and we all have this big cookout. So we're going to have cookouts, and I'm going to be cooking out all summer long until we get to the last team. We're going to meet everybody. We're going to have fun. We'll, we'll fellowship with one another. We'll pray for one another. We're going to focus on fellowship. We're going to I can't say I love you if I don't know you. So we're going to know one another. 
We're going to have more prayer meetings than we've ever had. I want to have prayer meetings. I want to have regular prayer meetings. I want weekly prayer meetings where we're getting together and doing nothing but praying to God. There's so many things we're going to be doing this year that's going to help us to situate ourselves for the coming of the Lord. And I need your help. So I want you to pray with me right now, if you will. You may be completely against it, and if you are, you just stand there. Be respectful if you don't mind. But if you'd say, I, I hear you. Lord, I want to help us make room. Pastor, I want to help us make room. I want to do my part. I'm going to attend a service, and I'm probably going to serve in one. Because there ain't no way it'll work if we don't have some other folks who'll say, I'm going to attend the first service, and I'm going to serve the second service. Or I'm going to attend the second one, I'm going to serve the first one. I'm going to pray a rich anointing on you for that. But we're ready to do this because we want to make room for the lost. So I want you to pray with me right now. Pray for us to have wisdom, our elders, our pastors to have wisdom, to make the right decisions, to make the right choices, and for this to be something God blesses and ordains for us to reach the lost. Two purposes for this whole purpose. If you go and say it's any other purpose, you're not telling the truth. Two purposes for it. Love God and love people. That's why we're doing it. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. Lord, we humble ourselves. We surrender ourselves to you and to your purpose, to your presence, to your will. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, you'd guide us through this. I pray against, Lord, the enemy that would try to attack it. I come against the, the enemy that would try to make a make a, a show of it or, a, you know, to, to try to make a, a, a chaotic event out of it. I pray, God, your peace, your presence, your favor. I pray for the blessings of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you will touch and minister by your grace. Challenge us as we move into this new year to do more than we've ever done, God, to reach the lost in this community to do what we can do. Lord, we all can't go on the mission field. We, we all can't do those things we see others do. We, some can't preach and some can't teach, but Lord, we can all do something. So I pray that God, even this will be seen as an outreach. Lord, when we make room for others, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that it be done to your glory and to your honor. So we never fail to give you the thanks for it all. Guide us, direct us, bless your people and touch them, I pray in the name of Jesus. We give you the honor and the praise for, Lord, you never fail to show yourself powerful and mighty on behalf of your people. Lord, you meet with us every Sunday. Your presence is always here, and we're so thankful, God. We honor you today, and we're doing our best to surrender to your purpose, to surrender to your will, and to do what we can do, Lord, to reach the lost in our community. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We thank you, Lord. And everybody together said amen. 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 Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the next thing to do is keep praying. The next thing to do after that is talk to one another. If somebody is real negative about it and, and they just don't like it, then just love on them. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't be mad at them. Just love on them. You know, I don't really want to plan all this new, you know, it'll take a lot more work, I mean, but I'm doing it because I believe it's what we need to do for the lost. So you help me. Convince one another it's right. Pray about it. Talk about it with your family. Pray for your pastors. 
and let's do the work of God in this city. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. Our ushers are coming to give you an opportunity as you do so faithfully to serve, to honor God with your gifts. All loose offering this morning goes to our missionaries around the world, and your tithe goes to the ministries that help keep this church going 100 miles an hour in the direction of God's Holy Spirit's work. I want us to pray today for Barbara and Kelly Hale. Barbara lost her mother this week. We've had two deaths associated with our church this week. And we want to pray for, for Barbara Hale. Her, she's gone through a very trying and difficult time. If you've ever lost a loved one or a mom, then you know. I want us to pray for them. The funeral will be Wednesday at Wilson Tram Funeral Home at 1 o'clock. Visitation will be on Tuesday night from 5 to 7. If you're able to go by as their church family, it would be wonderful to see you there. Also, Brother Carl Elam passed away this week. Carl and his wife Carol, they've been part of our church for, I don't know, I think 175 years. Faithful, dedicated, beautiful, wonderful people. Brother Carl went on to receive his reward and to go to heaven this week. We want to pray for Sister Carol. We want to lift this family up and keep them in our, in our hearts. His funeral will be Tuesday at 7 o'clock, and it'll be over at the Hare Riggs Funeral Home in Middletown. Visitation will be an hour before that at 6. So if you have it in your schedule and ability, it'd be wonderful to see you stop by there for them. Let's pray for them and ask God to be with them as we pray this morning over our gifts and our offerings to God. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the missionaries we serve. Pray that you will meet their needs all around the world, that you will touch them, God, through our gifts, that it'll meet a need in their lives and help them with ministry. We pray for these families that have lost their loved ones. We pray in the name of Jesus, you'd comfort and be with the Hale family. Touch them, God, strengthen them and comfort them through the difficult days that are ahead for them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. We pray for Sister Carol Elam and their family. Touch them in the loss of Carl and let your work be accomplished to bless them, strengthen them, comfort them, and God be with them, your presence most of all. We cherish and thank you, Lord, that you bring comfort in our time of need. We give you honor and praise for every gift, for those who are faithful in their support and in their tithe paying. God, we thank you for those who are obedient to your word today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. Amen.
In a lowly manger stall Lies an infant holy On a bright and starry night The heavens ring The wise men bearing gifts As they travel from afar To see the one They'd soon call and they say, you are holy. They say, you are king, son of God, son of God. yet son of man. Come to love us and redeem us and to save the world. Come on and give the Lord praise this morning. 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. How many of you know he's coming again? He's coming again. Hallelujah. You and I have got to keep that perspective, don't we? Sometimes we look in the rearview mirror too much in our lives. Won't y'all stand with me? Get ready to read the Word of God. I'm going to go to Luke. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles. He came. He came. Man, did he come. He came beautifully. He lived. And boy, did he ever live. He died. And boy, did he ever die. But he rose again. Rose again. And he's coming again. He's coming again. I feel his presence here this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Jeff, beautiful. I've been listening to that guy's voice since he was a teenager, winning teen talent. He's so anointed. He led us into the presence of God this morning. Both songs were beautiful. Emmanuel, God with us. King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going to talk about a Savior is born this morning. As we light the Advent candle. It's nothing really spiritual about this at all. But it sure is beautiful. And it's reverent. And it points to him. So it's all right. This is my baby sister, Debbie. I was there the day she was born. She's my precious little sister. She married Doug Beeler. How long have y'all been married? Three and a half years. And they're a beautiful couple today. And uh, I love them. They work in our church. They serve faithfully. Debbie is a prayer warrior, a teacher, a preacher. You've heard her preach many times. She serves... Doug has served in our connections and served in our first impressions. He's been on the sea board. He's taught. He's done kids. He's done youth. He's done kitchen. He's done it all. These folks are givers, not takers. And I appreciate them very much. Of course, I'm, I'm a little partial to Debbie. I told her, I said, now you got to look real pretty when you get up there. I think she did all right, don't you? <laughs> They're, what I love most about them is my connection, my personal connection aside, <clears throat> they're godly, good people. When I'm going through it, Debbie will send me texts that long with scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament. She's got it all figured out. She ministers to me. She'll, she'll come, they've come over to my house in the middle of the night just to have prayer with me, to check on me. They're, they're faithful to God, and they're dedicated to the Lord, and they're Christians, and I love that about them. So thank you for lighting the candle today that represents joy. And as we read the word, Doug has 
going to lead in your home, I would ask you to take the, the, the candle in hand and, and if you'd light that joy. Joy. The Bible says joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He comes to give us joy. He's an awesome and a mighty God. And he's given that as a free gift. The world tries to replicate it, tries to counterfeit it. You know what it is. It's called alcohol and drugs and wild parties and gambling. The enemy tries his best to counterfeit what God, Sister Carpenter, gives us for free. Joy. Joy. And nothing compares. The world, their joy is temporary. It always ends just as fast and as abruptly as it started. How many of you have had the joy of the Lord the whole time you've been saved? Doesn't mean everything's always made you happy. There's a difference between joy and happy, right? Sometimes we go through trials. Sometimes we go through troubles. But there's a deep, settled peace and a deep, settled joy, deep, settled love, and a deep, settled hope that rests down in our spirits, right? Beautiful. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gifts to us. We thank you, Lord, for your presence most of all. We thank you that you came, that you loved us enough to reconcile us to your own heart. We ask you to speak to us by your Holy Spirit as we look into your word this Sunday morning. We've come here, God, to love you and to love one another. I pray your peace and your presence as we Search into your word for a few moments, a golden nugget that will help us in preparing and getting ready for the day that, Lord, we've set aside symbolically to represent your day of coming to this earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said amen. You can be seated. One of the questions that the Advent asks us right off the bat, you know, it was almost 10 years ago when I became pastor that I really started searching out this idea of the Advent. I, I had heard about it, but I'd always thought it was just some tradition, some you know, symbol, symbolism that, you know, like the Greek Orthodox or the Catholic churches the, that, that all those folks did. And as I began to study it more, I saw that it was something that went much deeper and farther than that. It was more spreading out as well to the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Nazarenes, Baptists. A lot of people were looking into it, so I thought I, I wanted to see what it was all about. And as I began to study, I found that that word Adventist means the coming. 
And it, what it meant was that somewhere along the line, people were saying, hey, get your eyes off of all the stuff and remember why he came. And remember what Christmas is really all about. That was attractive to me, and I read on. I began to study and look at, at all the, the things it represented, preparing ourselves for, for the gifts, the gifts that come to us, hope, joy, peace, love, the Christ child. When you look at all those gifts that heaven gives us, it encompasses every area in our lives where we need him. He was coming to bring reconciliation. He was coming to bring salvation. And in the word of God, we find that he comes. Now, we understand that Christmas in and of itself is really nothing more than a tradition. It's just a tradition. And sometimes, especially in these last days and perilous times when we're listening for the soon return of Christ and we're looking for the coming of the Lord, sometimes it's easy to get off track. It's easy to start looking to the traditions, becoming emotionally attached to the traditions, even spiritually committed to those things that are just traditional, instead of truly connecting, adhering to, embracing the truth, the truth. I mean, you know, the truth is what sets us free. Truth is what sets us free. The power of God's Holy Spirit in the earth, the power of Christ coming to the earth, that's what sets us free, not Christmas. You gotta ask ourselves the questions, are we more committed to the traditions than we are the truth? I think it's important especially as we hustle and bustle and run to the sales and can't even get supper on the table. We've got a weeks and weeks of just doing nothing but wearing ourselves out, trying to get all over town, trying to buy all these gifts and all these things and plan this event and that event, and we're putting everything together around a day. A day that sometimes gets lost in the traditions. For instance, December 25th. You ask somebody, well, that's Jesus' birthday. Newsflash, it's not. As a matter of fact, he couldn't have been born December 25th. The shepherds wouldn't have been out lounging on a hillside in freezing cold weather. Because their weather is like ours, you know. It kind of resembles ours. But besides that, it actually trails back to about 336 years. I did my research. 336 years after Christ was crucified, a religious, a Christian Roman emperor named Constantine decided he would celebrate the coming Christ to the earth, his birth, and he started celebrating it around December 25th. He just kind of named it. And then it was Pope Julius who later pronounced, declared, decreed that December 25th would, for now, from now on, would just be the symbolic day 
of Christ's birth, but it's not really his birthday. He probably was born in May or June or July. But here's my question, does it matter? What matters most, ladies and gentlemen, is that Jesus came. He came. And the Bible tells us that he came wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, but lying in the arms of the mother that God had chosen. I told you the story last week of the way God started the whole story. I mean, he didn't choose chariots. He didn't choose a palace. He didn't choose a king and a queen to have his son. He chose a young lady who wasn't married, and there was another older lady who was barren, and God said, I'm going to use both of them to start the whole, the whole scenario of salvation. How beautiful that God would cho choose the most unlikely. You can trail back through the whole word of God and find that God always chooses the most unlikely. I think I'm in that crowd. I'll tell you, I'm so thankful for those chairs today. I'm still, still all mushy about it. Richard leaned over and he said, just so the, the people know, I mean, that's a gift from your church staff. And I, I appreciate that. Thank you, staff. I appreciate you doing that. It would be a beautiful addition to my home. I'll put it in my living room right there so people can see it when they come in. But God chooses the most unlikely when I first came to this church, I did, my mom and dad weren't rich tithe payers, and they weren't connected to the church of God, and there was no big, you know, Brother McCoy, you know what I'm talking about. There wasn't no political connections. There was no, I was just a kid sitting on the back pew. God reached down, and that church at Harlan Park, an 18-year-old kid, said, I'm going to do something really crazy. I'm going to choose Howdy Doody to be the pastor. He chooses the most unqualified and the most unlikely to pour his spirit in to their lives and to empower them. Look at the power in David's swing. David, who was on the backside of the hill with the sheep and all the other brothers were being groomed and looked over by Samuel when David wasn't even in the room. Why? Because he was the most unlikely. David, let the let your brothers be out here. You, you go take care of the sheep. God always chooses the most unlikely, Salvador. He chooses people that don't have all the talent and ability. He anoints them. He fills them full of his Holy Spirit, and then they can walk through a troop and leap over a wall. Then they can walk on water if they have to. Oh, Peter, getting out of that boat. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. God causes you to do great and mighty things when his spirit is in you. But he chooses the most unlikely. When you look back on the traditions and the things that have set up Christmas, it's important for us to remember the truth of it. Remember the truth of it. I mean, in my neighborhood, everybody decorates for, for Halloween. They, de they put lights all over their house. I'm like, when did that start? There's lights all over their house, orange and goblins and witches and all that. And, and then they, they, they celebrate for July 4th and they light up their house and they celebrate for everything under the sun. 
I said to myself, there is no way the preacher on the block is going to have an empty, black, dark house when it comes to celebrating Jesus' birth. So I'm out there trying. I put a wreath up the other day, and I'm trying to get the lights up. I hope I can get it up in time. I've been so busy. I'm determined. And every year I'm determined. Yesterday I was just like, next year I'm going to do it so good. I'm going to do my mailbox. I'm going to do everything, you know. Because I want this world to know that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And I celebrate the fact that he came to this earth. I'm going to light up my whole house. And I'm going to let it say what I, what I want to say to everybody on the earth. I'm going to say that Jesus came and he's alive and he's well and he's on the throne and he's real. And you can experience him in your life. I'm not about to let them outdo me with all their junk. I love the independence of America, but it isn't more important than the coming of Jesus Christ. And don't worry. I don't have a big blow-up Santa Claus on my front yard. You know what I have? Mary and Joseph and the baby and an angel. I have them in my front yard all lit up because I'm telling them what I believe. But here's what's important. That's just the celebration. But that's not my priority. My priority is the truth. And the truth of Christ, who has come and changed my life, saved my soul, gave me a brand new heart. Old things now passed away. All things have become new. I'm a new creature in Christ. I once was bitter and unforgiving and hateful, but now I've been set free by the power of God, and I am a child of the Lord. I'm a son of God. And I don't let other people condemn me and knock me down either. I go to my father. I go to my, my, this elder brother. And I go to them with every need I've got in my life. And I have found, I found him early this morning about 4 a.m. I got down and I said, Lord, good morning. And you know what I found? I found that he was right there waiting for me this morning when I got on my knees. The power of God's Holy Spirit at work in our lives is the greatest gift the disciples said it is the unspeakable gift that's come to this earth. Your relationship with Jesus. The fact that when things go wrong, when the world hates you and persecutes you and condemns you and tries to knock you down, you can get on your knees and you find help in the time of trouble. You find love and grace and mercy at the time when you need it. This is what it's all about. I find comfort there. I find strength there. I find deliverance there. I find guidance and wisdom when I need it. I have found that he is my everlasting father. Hallelujah. Mm. Would you just lift your hands in honor the presence of God in his house this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We honor you, Jesus. I don't want us to put all of our stock in traditions. The apostles didn't gather around and pass out gifts to one another. Hey, Paul, I got you this new net, man, for Christmas. They didn't pass out gifts to one another. They didn't do all that stuff. 
I'm not telling you that it's wrong for you to give to others and to give gifts and to celebrate. I'm not telling you that's wrong. But what I'm saying is don't lose sight of the priority of who came at Christmas and what it all represents. What the disciples went around telling people was he came, he's come. And let everything that about your life, no matter what it is, let it all scream one thing. Let it scream, Jesus came. That's the truth of it. That's the truth that the world needs. That's what the lost need. They need to know that he came. They need to know that he's real. That he's not a figment of somebody's imagination. He's not made up. That's why you got to be careful with the traditions. Because next thing you know, it'll be sitting right next to Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. And we won't know whether it's true or not. It's time to get back to the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Oh! He's alive. He's real. And he has brought salvation to this earth. So don't get lost in the gifts. Don't get lost in the lights. Don't get lost in the traditions. Embrace and hold tightly the truth. And then celebrate. Celebrate. Celebrate he's come. Celebrate he's given you new life, Jamie. Celebrate that he's given you deliverance. Celebrate that you have eternal life through him. You've been redeemed. I'm just so glad he came. The Bible says in Galatians 4, in verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thought there might be more folks get excited about that. Let, let me, you got your mind on where you're going to eat lunch. Let, let me read it again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons and daughters. Amen. Aren't you glad you've been set free? Aren't you glad you've been redeemed? Aren't you glad you got eternal life? Aren't you glad you have been set free by God's power? Hallelujah. Man, thank you, Lord, for your touch this morning. Thank you for your truth, Jesus, that sets us free. Thank you, Lord, that we're not caught up in the traditions. Can I say this? Even the religious traditions. Don't get so caught up in being super religious that you forget about the simplicity of Jesus having come to the earth to redeem those who were lost, making them sons and daughters. Keep your focus. Keep your focus. Guard your heart. Guard those things that are precious to your heart. Jesus didn't come to fix the economy. Jesus didn't come to fix the world market. Jesus didn't come so that the United States wouldn't go bankrupt. You know, they say Christmas is a, is a big deal for Wall Street. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't come to die for Wall Street. 
He's not worried about the economy of this world. He feeds the, the children. The, he feeds the sparrows. He takes care of his people. He is a God who is always on his throne, always ready to serve and to deliver his people. He takes care of us. He didn't come to die for America. He didn't come to die for our governments. He didn't come to die for world peace. He came to die that people who were sinners lost could be redeemed and made sons. That's why he came. Jesus came and died on the cross so that a sinner like me and a wild child like you could find ourselves waking up in the morning singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was so lost, but now. I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill to all men. He's come. He's come. Following Jesus is not about a style of worship. Everybody's got their traditions. Everywhere you go, some churches, they let you dance. Other churches, not allowed to dance. Go to some churches, women can't wear Pants. Go to some churches, women can wear pants. Go to other churches, you're not allowed to do this or that. The, the list is a mile long. Tradition, tradition, tradition. Go back to the Word of God that just says, Be holy before your God. Oh, be holy before your God. Seek Him early in the morning and He'll show you what holiness is. Seek the Lord and He'll be found of you. Jeremiah said, when you search for the Lord and you search for him with all of your heart, you will find him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's not a style of worship. It has nothing to do with that. Get your mind off the traditions. and Get your mind back on God's holy word and stay on your face. Stay humble before the Lord and broken before him so that he can strengthen you in due time. Let the power of God touch your life. Let it redeem you and break you and mold you into the son and the daughter of God you're meant to be. Christmas sometimes can just be an annual occurrence, even in the lives of Christians. Well, you know, we're, we're going to feed families at Christmas. Awesome. What about July? 
well, you know, we're going to give a special offering to help the little kids have Christmas, get them toys for Christmas. What about October? What I'm getting at is traditions are seasonal. The truth is for every day. Truth is for every day. Let me tell you a story, and I'm fixing to close if they'll get ready. When I was youth pastor, Judy knows, we used to take kids up to Dayton to the children's hospital. We'd go room to room with wagons. We'd bless them. We'd give them toys, games. Some of our kids would go in the room and get on the video games with them and play. You know, some of the kids had cancer. Some were, had heart disease. Some were born with all kinds of problems physically. It was so eye-opening to see how many kids were going through medical issues that were so heartbreaking. Little kids this tall, Jeff had no hair, hollow eyes. We'd walk in the room and we'd say, hi. They'd look up and big old eyes looking at you and you'd give them a gift and it'd break your heart. We went room to room to room. Love doing that. The life director on our first visit, she said, I said, we're gonna come again. We'll, we'll come again next year. And she said, okay, that's awesome. She said, could I give you a suggestion? I said, sure. She said, our schedule is jam-packed at Christmas. She said, every church, every organization, every company, everybody comes at Christmas. She said, we don't even have room for everybody. And the kids, they get sometimes 10 toys. I mean, one group after another is just giving them gift after gift after gift. I said, the kids that happen to be sick in December, boy, they're blessed. She said, maybe you could come at another time when the kids don't have any visitors. And I said, we'll do it. The next time we came, it was February. Coldest, icy snow, horrible weather, no holiday. We drove our bus up on the lot there, had 75 rooms of kids we had Wagon after wagon after wagon. We went room to room to room to room. And we, we did it. We thought, this is cool. This is even better. These kids are so grateful. They're so thankful. Kids were playing on the video games. And I had to pull our kids out because they were making such good friends. And some of them, we had too many toys. So some of the kids would go and sneak a toy and run it back to a room we just left because they wanted to give them another one. And they were just blessing them. And we were walking out to the bus, and all the kids, man, they were just on fire. They were just screaming and hollering. They were, they were high-fiving, and they were laughing and talking. Mo, I think you were there. We were, we were all over, man. We were, everybody was so excited. And I got them on the bus, and they were just pumped to high heaven. There's nothing better than a mission or a cause to rally people together and forget all the problems of the world. I'll never forget what happened next. Never. All of a sudden, coming running out of the doors, we had met a family, a Hindu family. 
when the lady had on all the, the robes and sashes and she had a scarf around her and she had the dot on her forehead and, and she was in that room and we played with her son and we gave him a couple gifts. He got two of them. She come running out to the bus with no coat in her, in her outfit and she's running to the bus. And I'm like, uh-oh. What do we do? What'd you kids do? Somebody do something? She knocks on the window. I get out of the bus. I'm there with her and she hands me a check for $25. And I said, no, 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 no. No, we don't do this for this. This is just gifts. We just do this from our heart. It's from our heart. She looked at me and she said, you come and you give a toy to my son who is so sick. She said, I want to bless you. I want to support you. I don't care who you are, I want to support you. She goes, take this. And I was like blown away. The kids were silent. This little Hindu lady said, because my son was sick, you brought him a toy. I want to support you. And you know what that spoke to me? That when you get rid of your traditions, and you focus on the truth, Truth will reach all people, no matter where they're from, no matter what religious background they have. I'm telling you the truth of Christ, it'll penetrate the Hindu religion. It'll penetrate the Muslim religion. It'll penetrate through every lost man or woman on the face of the earth. That little lady, she said, I don't care who you, I mean, I was like, you're, I was gonna, you're Hindu. Why are you giving us a check? If you'd seen her eyes, which I will never forget, you brought a toy to my son who is so sick, I will support you. I'm telling you the world is ready for the truth. They're always ready. They've always been ready for the truth. God knew what he was doing when he sent his son. He knew what he was doing with the plan of salvation. He knew what was going on when he called all of this into being, when he chose Elizabeth and he chose Mary and he brought them to Bethlehem. And that night, that silent night, God knew exactly what he was doing because it was going to be that truth that would reach every man, every woman on the face of the earth, no matter what background, no matter what race, no matter what a culture they're from. That truth penetrates through every barrier and wall the world has ever built. God's truth will set every man free, every woman free, every child free. That truth is what we celebrate. So Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! As we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel of Christ to this earth. When we celebrate that, we're celebrating the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine. Say that with me. So shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
doesn't say, let them see your good works. Right? Can't get that mixed up. Let them see your good works. No. Let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. The light. The light. You want to know why I light up my house? Not because of tradition. I light it up. I light it up because I want my light. I want to light everything up. I want to light every, I want lights everywhere. I want it first and foremost to be right here. I want to be lit up from my head to my feet. I want to be lit like a tree on fire. But I don't ever want to get so focused on those traditions, Jeff, that I forget that it wasn't a Christmas tree he died on. It was a dead tree called the cross. That tree saved my life. Can you say amen? amen? Father, we come to you this morning. We honor your presence that is here. We honor your Holy Spirit. God, we ask you to minister to the hearts of your people right now. That the work of your Spirit, Lord, will challenge and touch them. I pray, God, for Christians in this room that we'll not lose our priority and get stuck in traditions, whether they're worldly or religious, that, God, we will focus on the truth of Jesus having come to the earth, having died for us, having rose from the dead for us, purchasing our salvation. I pray that you will touch every heart, every life. And God, if there's someone here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today be the day of salvation for them. That they sense and feel the power of your drawing them in the love that you sent to this earth that first holy night. I pray in the name of Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you need Christ, you need this experience I'm talking about, you need a real relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand and write back down? We're going to pray a prayer with you this morning. Is there anyone who'd say, I want to pray with you, Pastor, right in my seat, right here. I want to receive Jesus in my life. Is there anyone who would say, I'll pray that prayer with you today? Christians are praying. I believe that you're here. Someone who'd say, I want to receive Jesus this morning. I'm not going to beg you, but I'm going to give you this opportunity. I need Jesus, Pastor. I want to pray. All right. God bless you, sir. Maybe you were the very one I was waiting on. We're going to pray a prayer to be the best decision you ever made in your life. Christ is going to come into your life. He's going to change your life. You say, how can a prayer do that? Because the Bible says if a man will believe in his heart that Christ has been risen from the dead and he confesses it with his mouth, he becomes a born-again believer in Christ. That changes everything for you. We're going to pray that prayer with you right now. I want every Christian, if you will, to pray with me. 
this gentleman who wants to receive Christ into his life, would you help me? Let's pray together. Sir, speak this with me from your heart. It's not a magic formula, but these words will change your life if they come from inside you. We're ready to pray. And if you didn't lift your hand and you'd like to join him, then I invite you to do that right now. Let's all pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I declare that you are Lord. You came to the earth. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You bought my salvation. I honor you. I make you Lord of my life. Strengthen me. Change me. Help me every day to live for you until you come for me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Melissa Graw is right here. Melissa, lift up your hand. Turn around. They can see you. Melissa's our discipleship pastor. I want you to stop by in the lobby and see her. She's got some free gifts to give you to help you on your journey with Christ. Now I want to pray one last prayer. This prayer is for you and for me. Jonah, I want us to truly understand the truth of Christmas. To follow after that truth in everything that we do. Not only in our hearts to follow him, but in our lives to shine his light to others. Let's pray together. Would you simply just touch somebody on the shoulder or somebody standing by you and make a connection if there is someone there? Father, we come to you this morning. I pray for us as a church, Lord, we want to be about your business. We have more to do. Lord, we can't afford to let the enemy mess with our minds, mess with our hearts. Lord, we want to stay focused on your truth. I pray that you will touch us today, ignite within us the spirit of God and great power. Touch us this morning, God, to live out your truth, to preach it and to sing it, God, and to talk it everywhere that we go. Let your work be accomplished and done through us, not only as Christians and believers, but Lord, as a church. I pray for unity. I pray for a spirit of bonding and brotherhood and sisterhood. I pray, God, that you'll unite us in your power, that your Holy Spirit will guide us into this year, that we'll do more than we have ever done before as we prepare ourselves for your soon coming. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Our pastors are going to be in the altar. If you would like special prayer today, you're welcome to come down to the altar as we're dismissed. God bless you. Hopefully we'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock p.m. for church this evening at Stratford Heights. Have a great afternoon. God bless you.